Welcome everybody to another brand new Rugby Muscle Podcast, April live Q&A edition. And this is your opportunity to ask any questions that uh, you have that pertain to your rugby performance, your nutrition, your training, anything that you have that is specific to your scenario or just general stuff that you want to be answered. I, I do enjoy the more specific questions but this is your chance to ask any question and get them answered for free so I can take a nice deep dive into those questions. So we'll get going with those. But before we do that, a little bit of housekeeping. Yes, today is like a little bit later than normal. Uh, the last Q&A we did, I was in Curitiba, Brazil. I'm now back in Denver, Colorado, coaching my uh, men's club here and uh, we have our first game tomorrow. So I'm excited for that, but also excited to get into these questions. Because of the time difference in mountain time, it's now 2 p.m. here in Colorado, which means it's 9 p.m. in the UK. So we're a little bit late for this one. Um, maybe some of you are already in bed because you've got games tomorrow. Maybe you're in your part, your nighttime routine where you are not watching or not being involved in any technology. If you are, Kudos to you. Hi from the past. Of course, this podcast will be re-uploaded. But the other thing that we can do to get ourselves or to get the Rugby Muscle Podcast, to get this edition um, more traction, is to spread it with your friends. So you listening, if you have a teammate or a friend that could be uh, could do with this advice, could do with, that gets frustrated in the gym or is just getting started in the gym or has been in the gym for a while but potentially is treading water a little bit send them the send them to rugby muscle send them to our to our youtube channel send them our podcast and uh, have them consume the information so that they can um you know the reason we make these podcasts the reason that rugby muscle exists is to stop you from wasting your time but also to stop you from being confused and overwhelmed because obviously everyone is looking to save their time to to train as efficiently as possible but what happens is we've got so much conflicting information um, that just gets makes things even more confusing because we're always questioning whether we're doing enough. And that's, I mean, that's the point of a lot of the Rugby Muscle programs. But the point of this podcast and the point of the Q&A specifically is to reduce that confusion and overwhelm, to reduce that, to give you a level of clarity. So that being said, We've got some questions that have been posted up on the YouTube community tab that I'll get into. I've got one that was responded to the email that I sent out two hours ago, I believe. So I'll get into that as well. So I think we'll. the idea here is we'll go for about 45 minutes. Obviously, if you're listening to the podcast, you know exactly how long we're going to go. And if you're watching on YouTube, past the fact, again, you, you know exactly how long we're going to go. If you're watching on the live, again... Post up in the comments uh, any questions that you have, any issues that you've got with your training. Get those up and I will answer those as a priority. If you're watching in the future, post up any comments and they will be answered in a future either Q&A video or um, a separate video for itself because we are ramping up. For, I told you before, 2023 is going to be the year of the podcast and the YouTube channel. YouTube has just released a new sort of subsection of podcasts. So we're going to really be doubling down on that. And so I need your, I need to help you guys out. I need your questions to be answered. So ask those in the comments. And of course, if you're new here, 
hit that subscribe button if you're watching on the live or if you're watching post. By now, give us a thumbs up. It just helps the show and it helps so spread to more people that want to see it, gives us more um, avenues to spread the show and help you guys uh, with as much content as we can. If you want to get involved in Rugby Muscle, of course, rugby-muscle.com is the site for the coaching, the programming. If you uh, visit there and uh, within the next few days, you can sign up to the newsletter and you'll be the first to be informed about our brand new two-week launch pad that we are launching. I could have phrased that much better, but the Rugby Muscle launch pad is a 14-day program that will be designed to really like set you up with a launch pad so that you're ready to go, so that you've got complete clarity on exactly how you train within two weeks. Um, it's It's been revisited, redone, revitalized, and now I, I do believe I've put this together to give, to be the best free resource for rugby players on the internet. So check that out. If you're listening in the future, again, it's probably already there, so maybe you can just go to rugby-muscle.com forward slash launch pad and check it out. But for now... That's enough preamble. It's been bloody over six minutes already. Let's get into the questions. All right. Luca Bell. Uh, Luca's been supporting the show for quite a while now. So thanks for the comments and interactions, mate. Uh, he says, how to manage shoulder pain whilst doing your bench press shoulders in the gym. Having shoulder pain, but don't want to rest it too long and lose progress. So for this, it depends on like the type of shoulder pain there are different we haven't we kind of have like a overriding algorithm as how we want to be dealing with pain in the gym as rugby players because the reality is if you're a rugby player and you're training in the gym you're that you're going to i mean if you're just someone that just trains in the gym there are going to be times where you're going to be sore Obviously, if you're a rugby player, that's going to be even more so. So we have to be careful with what we do, but we have to have a process in place so that we can be okay with being hurt and not just say, oh, I can't, you know, I'm hurt. I'm going to have to skip this. So to we have a whole document up there for Team Rugby Muscle members. It's like three pages long and exactly like the step-by-step process. So I'm not going to go into that, but I will say for if you're like, because shoulder injuries are probably the hardest to diagnose as well, right? Because it's such a a flexible, like ridiculously crazy joint. There are lots and lots that go into it that lead to the, the, you know, the shoulder pain. There's lots that we need to, there's lots of variations that can like hurt the shoulder, right? And, And cause it to have pain. So I'll cover the broad ones here. Luca, if you are here on the live, you can, we can help to narrow it down. Or potentially if you watch this past the fact, give us another comment and we can refine this over time. But it depends on the shoulder pain, right? So uh, if if your shoulder is hurting to make any impact on like when you're playing a game, then yeah, you you do have no choice but to like completely you know manage that as best you can. You don't do anything to aggravate it. All you want to be doing is getting your shoulder back into a position where you can play rugby, right? So that you can make your hits and so you can get back playing. Like the reality is if you're if you're in season, if you're constantly getting impacts on your shoulder, that's going to cause it some damage. That's going to continually like like if you're you know if you basically if you're setting up a barricade to prevent yourself from getting injured, every time you're hitting impacts that's we're we're getting impacts on that barricade. We we're, we're 
we're chopping away at your ability to not only recover and get back to being stronger, but like just getting back to normal, right? So there's, you've got to be aware that if that's the case, like full rest until it's manageable is probably going to be necessary. But remember, the goal isn't necessarily to get back to bench pressing. You're not a powerlifter. If you're a powerlifter, yeah, that's different. We'd have to readdress ways that you could press. We have to readdress ways that we can manage potential impingements or whatever's going on in the shoulder so you can definitely get back to bench pressing but that's not the goal the goal is to continually get stronger in your pressing movements right in your upper body pressing so whether that's vertical pressing incline pressing or straight horizontal pressing even like lower pressing potentially with dips although that can be even more um injury uh, higher risk of injury for the shoulder those that's what you need to get back to be doing right? So it's not just to get back to, to, to barbell branch press as much weight. So um, with that being said, like you should be able to find some variation of pressing that allows you to still work your, your pressing muscles, your deltoids and, and your pectorals. So whether that's a machine that sort of adjusts as you come in, you know, those like hammer strength machines that go wide and they come in. Maybe there's another machine where you're lying down. Maybe it could be dumbbells. Maybe it could still be bench pressing. You could still bench press, but you've got to adjust the way that you grip. Potentially, I, I do think this actually, I've, I've always, you know, you've always heard it been said with, um, bench pressing that bench pressing is very hard on the shoulders and that you should probably look to be doing dumbbell bench because it's much safer i get that but if you want to press heavy in like the three to five rep range you're probably going to be better off with a uh, with a barbell so that you're not like risking um those stabilizers muscles at that heavier weight um and i do think everyone can barbell bench press in a way that is going to suit them. So whether that's going to be close grip, whether that's going to be wide grip, it might not even be the variation that you can lift the most amount of weight with, but it, it is going to be the variation that you can continually do the most and therefore keep improving. So, you know, look at your different grips that you can get on the bar. If it is a machine that, that, that moves with the shoulder, that's absolutely fine as well. If it could even potentially be for now, right? If, we, if we're trying to get back to upper body pressing in order to um, keep progressing so that you're not, you know, regressing, you're not losing progress, it could potentially just be weighted push-ups. It could be, and there are different ways that you can set that up. You could set a uh, weighted push-up with, by um, being on an incline and having two, like, so you can get really deep. So you, maybe it's not even necessary but where you can have two benches set up or two boxes set up so that you can get really deep you can put weights on your back if you have it if you have your hands on two benches and your feet on a bench as well so that you're nice and raised up you could even potentially use a dip belt or you could just get a mate to put the weight on your shoulders um so that's that's what i would look at in order to keep progressing with your pressing movements now to look at the root cause of what the injury is like that's that's probably what you're going to need to do because if this just keeps like occurring then there's a long-term issue that you need to address and you need to you know not like ideally you need to fix it right you need to make it better so what what I look at is um you know the back of your shoulder usually a lot of shoulder injuries come from the scapula they come from a lot of too much pressing potentially so that you're if I go side on here you're like rounded this way right and therefore 
the shoulder doesn't move as freely. What you want is a real strong upper back that's going to pull your shoulders from this hunched over position in alignment. And that way they're in alignment and that way you can really move them around um, without being injured. So I would look at that. I'd look at lots of different shoulder mobility work as part of your warm-ups, as part of your overall training. Um, as a rugby player, like you should always be managing your shoulder anyway because of the amount of impacts that you do because of the fact that, yes, you do want to keep doing upper body pressing movements. I'd be spending a lot of time looking at, and I do, with with everyone in Team Rugby Muscle, with everyone in Rugby Muscle Elite, we do spend a lot of time, uh, we'll do some pressing and then we'll do some stuff to to keep the shoulders nice and healthy. Whether that is band dislocations where you're, you're getting your band and you're going all the way over, whether that's band pull-aparts, whether that's face pulls, whether that's, cable face pulls whether that's uh, bent over face pulls whether that's bent over wire raises you want to look at your rear delts you want to look at um, getting your lower traps nice and strong you want to look at getting your rhomboids nice and strong that's kind of basic programming 101 there isn't necessarily like a ratio where you should be saying oh you should be lifting 50 150 percent of uh, rowing movements that you should be doing with your bench press that's kind of arbitrary but the sentiment is probably right um, so that's what I would do. Um, if you have more details on that shoulder injury, right? Cause if it's like an AC joint, then that becomes a different issue, right? That's a shoulder injury that's come definitely from impact. And that like what I found with a lot of AC joints is that you can't do horizontal pushing, but you can actually do quite, quite a lot of vertical pushing. And so, because obviously the AC joint intersects the pec a lot more than it does the, uh, deltoid. So that, I mean, that's a completely other rabbit hole that we could go down that I'm not going to go down for now. Let's check on the live stream if we've got questions. Oh, Mario, happy Easter to you, my friend. Um, weird in the US that they don't, like Friday, just a normal working day for these people. And, and Monday, they don't get Monday off either. In England, we used to get Easter Friday. I mean, they still do get Easter Friday and Easter Monday off. Um, but not here. I mean, it doesn't matter for me because this is all my own stuff, but... I never give myself the day off. He says, stupid question, but is there any way to use a Tabata scheme for building muscle? Not really, right? So Tabata is always overused. I've done a few rants on previous Q&As about Tabata. It's just, uh, it's not, I don't like it as a system for condition. I don't really like it for, for a lot of things because I think, when you're going for 20 seconds and then you're... So Tabata, for those that don't know, is four minutes of 20 seconds work, 10 seconds rest, and you go and you go and you go. It was designed by some... Uh, I was going to say some Japanese guy. It was designed by... I think his name was Mr. Tabata, right? He designed it as a way to burn the most amount of fat in the, the shortest time possible. And it got a lot of clout and it's got a lot of recognition because it, you know, it's finished within four minutes. But there's nothing overly special about 20 seconds on, 10 seconds off. In fact, I would prefer rugby players go like 10 seconds on, 20 seconds off because that's that's going to be a lot more like a rugby game. You're not normally going and working at your hardest for 20 seconds and then taking 10 seconds of rest. Um, but if we ask, if if I rephrase this question for you here, Mario, and I say instead of saying, "Is there a Tabata way to?" build muscle i would say is there a is there a timed way of building muscle right so where rather than saying i'm gonna do uh 30 kilo dumbbell bench press for uh 10 reps or 15 reps 
I'm going to be doing this bench press for 30 seconds. Absolutely, that is a great way. There is a good uh, bit of evidence to say that this is a good way to do it. It's also quite fun to do. Um, and there are a number of ways that you can do timed sets. We use them quite a lot in rep muscle. We'll use, um, particularly for our Saturday sessions, that often, like if we're if I'm programming uh, for the for the team where some people are in off season, some people are in in season, instead of playing a game on the Saturday when you're in off season, we'll do a high intensity session. And a lot of times that will be 30-30, where it's 30 seconds of an exercise, then you get 30 seconds rest to move on to the next exercise, and then you continually move through a, a circuit of, say, five to 10 exercises. And that way you're, you're getting a good bit of like aerobic, which potentially can end up being anaerobic stimulus. And you're also getting a ton of volume in um, that was obviously going to help uh, build muscle, but you're also getting volume in in a way that could potentially help the aerobic properties of the muscle, which is potentially going to make you a more efficient rugby player whilst getting in the volume to build that muscle. So, yes, there is a way to do that, um, but I wouldn't I wouldn't do it to battle wise. Um, the only things I would do to battle wise with that specific scheme is core work because you don't need a long rest to do core work, um, and with core work, it's very um boring right and people just end up skipping it whereas if you just say all right we're going to do a tabata you've got four minutes to get that work done and then you're out of the gym uh so thank you for your question mario um uh thank you for saying thank you uh anyone else that's joined us on the live always hit that thumbs up if you have any questions ask them and they will be prioritized like mario's was just there next question we have preloaded is from Dati, Dati Bio. I'm, I've completely butchered that, but he says workout for powerful fend slash handoffs in rugby. Haven't had this one for a while, so this is good. Um, so I've also revisited my thoughts on this. I used to always say it would be like pressing and explosive throws, right? Just get a strong press, and obviously that's the muscles that you're going to use when you're doing um, when you're when you're fending an opponent. I've I've sort of dialed that back a little bit and I've said that actually handoff is like the, the fend to get away is more often than not going to be especially if you're looking at a, if you're a winger asking this question now there's different ways that you can fend off but we're looking at if we're looking at the winger who's trying to beat an opponent and just get that fend away to 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 beat that last uh, to beat his opposite number and to get away, or he's like one-on-one, -on -one and you use that fend to get away, that's going to actually be a speed and agility thing that allows you to do it, because you're going to be much stronger with a locked-out arm than you are with a flexed arm, right? So um, by that, I mean the you're going to prevent your opponent from getting to you. You're going to use that handoff to prevent that tackle from taking place with a locked arm much, much more efficiently than you are with a slightly bent arm. If, the, if you use a slightly bent arm, you're pushing against the force and you're pushing, you have to use your muscles. And, and if they're strong enough, they're going to swat that away and they're going to going to close that distance and make that tackle. If you are far enough away that you use a locked arm, all of a sudden you, they're, now, they're now trying to fight against bone. That's rigid. That's why a, a fend-off comes really quickly because it's just that straight arm that keeps them at their distance and stops them from being able to make a 
tackle on you and get you away. And so to create that distance, create that space, that's speed and agility, right? That's getting around the opponent so you can get far enough away that you're using a straight arm. If you can only beat your opponent so much so that you've got a bent arm to fend them off, there's a good chance that's not going to be like, that's 100%. It's not going to be as effective as if you were to use a straight arm. So, like think about if you're if you're using a bench press or or any 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 example where you could use loads of examples but if you're using a bench press how much can you hold out your front of you locked out a lot more than you can actually bench right because you are stronger here than you are this looks ridiculously up far away with the camera looking funky here with my arms look, hands looking huge sorry if you're watching it or if you're listening to this on the podcast and don't understand what's going on here I'm holding my arms out right in front of me. When I'm locked out, I'm much stronger. So that's the position you want to be when you're executing a fend in rugby. And therefore, it's a speed and agility thing, and it's going to be more of a, a skill thing. So you, you you would go and you would practice actually stepping. You would you, it's it's a skill thing. So like the workout to get to to do it is to, you know, do some speed and agility work, ideally with a partner, and then spend some time with that partner one-on-one, trying to beat them, trying to evade them to create that space to get that fend working. I'd go at like 60-70% just to feel feel out how your movements are going to feel, feel out how it's like how you're going to work out how to off-balance them to get the better of them, and then work that fend. But it's not necessarily something that's going to be uh, developed in the gym now if we're talking about the, the the sort of handoffs where it's a forward now doing a handoff where you're running into a group of three people and you're just trying to throw one guy away yeah then we're looking at being strong in the press because the stronger you are at pressing right the the, the more potential you have for power right if you're someone at 60 kilo that can bench press 60 kilos um and could be really explosive with that 60 kilos it's still you know, you're still going to be held back by the amount of force that you can produce. If you can, if you can bench press 120 plus kilos, then you can start to build on that power. You can do things like explosive throws, explosive push-ups. Um, any sort of pressing movement is going to help you have that potential to fend off an opponent. But again, it's still going to be a little bit about footwork and timing. Um, I guess if you're in the gym and you want it to be super efficient at this, and this is like your main goal, there's no reason that like a lot of gyms have punch bags these days. You couldn't just stand two, three yards away from a punch bag and just work on your footwork, getting away, transferring that ball and getting that fend and just fending away that punch bag. Even maybe that explosive movement. So you working your feet and a bang, hitting that, hitting that, um, hitting that punch bag. I've done that actually when I used to play. We used to do it um, in our rest periods. We do bench press. And then we we would have a partner holding like one of those tackle bags, tackle shields, and you just step, fen, step, fen. <coughs> ah, I was hoping to not cough on this podcast, but there you go. I've been a bit sick recently. So hopefully that answers that question for you. That's by overall, like, do your workout program to be to be a better rugby player. That's that's always what I'd say. Um, next question. Kotaro Yana says, if I remember correctly, I heard you say 5K is a good test for aerobic fitness. Yeah, I did. That's exactly what I said. What is a good 5K time for a rugby player? Well, so I don't like, and this is why you've seen one strength standards video from me before. And even then I was kind of 
given those like numbers out sort of begrudgingly because they're like remember why you do these tests remember why these tests exist these tests don't exist to say oh you've passed you're now a good rugby player the tests exist so that you as the athlete can see that you're improving they exist in club environments so that they can see that you, the athlete, are working on your fitness, that you are fit enough that you don't need to potentially don't need to be doing fitness work in your training, or potentially fit enough that whatever fitness work you are doing in your training is working, or potentially not fit enough so that, hey, crap, we're not fit enough, we're, our team's not fit enough, we're losing at the end of the games, let's do this test, ah, oh, crap, we're like, we're not improving, we're actually regressing, we need to get our fitness work back up, or... Um, it could be the other way around. We could be losing in the last 10 minutes of a game. Uh, let's do a fitness test to see if, we get, if we're fit enough now. Oh, we're actually fitter than before. Maybe we're just playing better teams that are playing at a higher level and we have to work harder and harder and harder than they do in order to beat them or in order to compete with them. And that's why we're losing games in the last 10 minutes of a game. So all of that is to say is that's the reason that you test is to see your own improvement. So um, like if you run, if you run your 20 minute, if you, if you run a, damn it, I've given away how, how fast I, sh- I think it should be. Uh, if you run a 5k in 25 minutes, you know, week one, and then you retest at week six and you run it in 24 minutes or 23 minutes, you know, you're getting fitter, you know, whatever you're doing is working. Now I would continue to work. I would say that if you can sub 25k, um, you are fit enough that you don't need to continually work at your aerobic fitness. You can just maintain, and that would be one session a week, and you should be able to maintain that fairly comfortably. If you get worse than 25 minutes, I'd say it's something, that, or t- worse than 30 minutes, it should absolutely be a, fo- I say worse, slower than 30 minutes, it should probably be a, a focus as a rugby player, And then between 20 and 30 minutes is where most people are going to exist. You should probably continually be improving that. And once you get under 20, like, and again, this would depend on you and your position um, and potentially your build, right? Because rugby is also not just about how fast you are over a long distance. It's about, um, you know, sprint, slow down, sprint, slow down. So you're going to feel like, I'm not a big fan of testing anyway, right? So if you've heard me say that I'm, you know, I think 5K is a good test for aerobic fitness, you've probably heard me say that you probably don't need to test because you just need to continually improve. So you need to do a 5K test. If you're doing your slow runs and you're doing, I don't know, uh, you know, week one, you're doing 7K in just under an hour and then you do, you know, you, you redo it, you know, a few weeks later or you, or you keep going and you see week by week, you over the course of four or five weeks, you've had an extra kilometer, or two kilometers even in that time, then and you're getting better, you know, and your heart rate staying the same, then you're getting better. So it's a it's more about seeing your own improvement so that you can continue to progress and you don't need to alter anything, or seeing where you might have some weak spots where you are regressing, than it is um, necessarily about reading too much into the date to say, oh, I'm good or I'm bad, because it would depend. There's going to be some professional rugby players that would get worse than five. The worst that would get slower than thirty minutes. Vast majority of them will, will will be under twenty minutes though.
I'm liking this. This is like question coffee, question coffee. We're on a good roll here. Um, once again, shout out to those joining us on the live stream. Thumbs up, always help. And if you have any questions, I've got, and you've got one more question to go. And then I might take a deep dive in, as I said on the emails, to uh, how many sessions a week you might want to train. I did ask that. I, I didn't know if it comes up in the description, but I did ask in the description how many sessions you train a week, and, and I was going to expand upon that. But we haven't had anyone ask that. We've just uh, answered that. We've just had Mario's question, but it's all good. We've got one more question that's coming from the emails. This person says, if I have the same calories on one day, but I eat junk, why do I feel worse than on days when I eat the same calories but eat super healthy. Uh, so obviously I've always said performance and overall recoverability and overall, you know, gaining. I said those things as well, but more and more than those things, actually, I've said that weight loss, losing fat um, or gaining muscle is a case of calories in versus calories out. We want to, as best we can, quantify our nutrition so that, we can give ourselves targets so that we can continually improve our nutrition or, or stay on track with our nutrition. And that's going to be the case. So like that's still a thing. Now, when you're have when you're some now, so this person that feels worse, if they stayed on that same, if they stayed on the same calories, you know, for three months and one or versus someone else that stayed on the same calories, but ate mostly junk, I would, I would, wager that those two people would probably have a very similar amount or, or similar trend in the the direction of their weight now probably also the direction of their performance but there's something that comes in here and there there is definitely going to be some uh qu qualitative stuff that we have to interpret here so when we're looking at food quality we can also quantify this as well, right? The amount of nutrients, the amount of fruit and vegetables that you get in, the amount of whole foods that you're eating compared to, you know, we know what junk is by now. Um, we can quantify it, but the main difference here to answer this question, why you would feel worse when you're eating more junk food, even though you're eating the same amount of calories, is going to be a case of hormones. So um, when you're eating junk food, for the most part, like 99% of the time, it's going to be a lot more calorie dense, aka you're going to take less bites for for more calories. Eating and chewing your food and digesting your food is a whole process that sparks off a cascade of hormonal releases that are going to um, contribute to your overall well-being, right? So if you eat uh, a burger that's 1,000 calories versus uh, some rice, some eggs, and some vegetables that are 1,000 calories. That burger's eaten a lot quicker, that and that and because you eat it that much quicker, you're going to deny yourself the hormonal releases that that happen. That number one help you feel satiated, right? So if you feel full, which obviously makes you feel better, which makes you feel more energized. Um, uh, 
you know, which regulates everything else like that, which, I mean, not just makes you feel full, but also the opposite, stops you from feeling hungry, right? The you, Your hunger hormone is also not released, right? Whereas if, if you take less bites over a longer period of time, you're going to get that hunger-inducing hormone released more often. I'm, I'm purposefully not going into the names of these hormones because... I might get them wrong and it's just not necessary. I want to keep it like kind of easy for you to interpret. So it's just, there's just going to be a cascade of hormonal releases that are done when you're spending quality time eating food. This can also be said for if you're someone that continually eats on the go. So if you're eating in your car and you, uh, or if you're constantly eating you know, at your desk and you're, you're eating whilst working, that can also contribute to this, right? It can contribute to your, your hormonal releases, your uh, your leptin, your ghrelin, uh, how full you're going to feel, how satiated you're going to feel, how satisfied you're going to feel with your meals, and therefore how good your your overall like body is going to feel, and therefore how happy you are, how um, much energy you feel, because energy, like what is energy, it, like outside of the calories, it's how you feel. It's if I, uh, you know, you like like. This is a perfect example. This coffee gives me energy, but it doesn't give me any. It doesn't give me any calories. It's the caffeine that, that gives me a boost of uh, another hormonal release that makes me feel good, that makes me feel better, and I, I interpret that as more energy. It's not actually more energy. It's just me feeling better. That's the main way, um, like why we want to eat a lot more fruits and vegetables. You can also add into that the hormonal releases and, again, the whole body processes that happen when you eat more micronutrients, when you eat more vitamins and minerals. Um, and, again, like, it's just going to make you – like, those things are going to make you feel better because they're going to support the hormones that release that make you feel good and that make you feel recovered and make you feel relaxed and make you, you know, sleep better. And if you sleep better, again, that's going to contribute to your overall energy. So – it's all of those things going on. Now, it could also be said that potentially, I found this sometimes that natural foods uh, are less of a strain on your digestive system, even though it probably can take longer for some like vegetables, particularly like real, like thick, like high fiber vegetables. It can it can be more of a process to digest those foods. It's still more of a natural process. The body knows exactly what it's doing um, compared to, like I say, a, a fucking cheeseburger or something where the body is just like, this is manufactured stuff. I'm not sure what I'm going on here, what's going on here. And that genuinely makes you feel like kind of rough after eating it. That can be the case, although that's a little bit bro sciencey because I've also seen it where, like, if you look at whey protein, like that's completely manufactured, right? But we could digest it really easily. And if you eat like raw uh, beans, right, <laughs> that's natural, but it's a fucking disaster to try and digest that shit. So it can go both ways. Um, in general, my advice is always going to be like 80-20 principle via the volume of food, not necessarily the, 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 the calories. You want to make sure that 80% of your food is going to be whole, ba- whole food based, um, high in, high vegetables, high fruits, lots of nutrients, getting in all that good stuff. And then, yeah, like you can be flexible to eat some quote unquote junk food around that. And you, more often than not, you're going to be fine. As long as 
you're taking care of those bigger picture stuff. So we're getting in those calories, we're getting in that protein, getting in those carbohydrates to recover and train our best. So hopefully that answers that question. I've now switched from uh, my coffee still to a mug, but it's a mug of water. And shout out to my vegetarian friends, vegan friends. I am a plant person. Okay, that leaves me at the end of my pre-loaded questions. If we don't have any uh, questions via comments on the YouTube channel, we will take a quick dive because we've got a few minutes here to discuss how many training sessions a week uh, you need to be doing as a rugby player. Because I thought I want to go into this a little bit deeper on a separate video, but I want to address it here now so that we're all on the same page. Um, yeah, let's go. So, no questions. So, yeah, how many sessions do you need to? Uh, to do a week to to continually improve i'd say as far as weight sessions go two you need two sessions of two quality sessions of weights that is going to get you and like per body part right so you can split this up in many different ways but you can also just do two full body sessions and that's all your weight training for the week done and that's that's to improve that's not to maintain that's not to stave off regression that's to improve. You can continually get stronger on twice a week full body training, and I have I'm 100% confident in that. The reason I'm that confident is because that's how, like most people will train. Even like if they're doing four times a week, they're doing upper body, lower body, upper body, lower body. That's again, that's twice a week. If they're doing upper, lower push pull legs, or they're doing push pull legs, push pull legs. Again, they're training six times a week, but actually per muscle group, they're training twice. Um, and then you even look at the bro splits where you know, they, they train only once a week. They're getting so much volume in, yes, like they're doing an hour on one body part or two hours on one body part. They potentially like will be getting in more weekly volume, but they're getting in less frequency. I don't, I don't think that's an efficient way, particularly for a rugby for a rugby player to train because you've got lots of other things going on. I don't think just smashing your chest is like absolutely worth it at all, particularly when you look at it from a time efficient standpoint. And that is why I, I really do settle on twice a week as far as, um, you know, improving your strength, improving your hypertrophy, um, and it gives you time to work on other things. So you could do two weight sessions for hypertrophy, but then give yourself an, a third gym session where your focus is only on power and touch on power in those other two sessions. You also give yourself a lot more time to work on if you're if you're uh, particularly slow, or if you know what, uh, yeah, if you're particularly slow, if you really want to dial in your your speed, you want to get faster. You could potentially train at least twice a week for your speed, if not more. As I've mentioned earlier, if you're someone that's not uh, aerobically very fit, you've got so much more time now to work on your aerobic fitness. 
Yes, you could incorporate weights into this aerobic training, as we've also already discussed, but you're still, there is no need to do that. You can do that, but there is no need because you're twice a week for your, your strength work and your hypertrophy work is already there and it's already been taken care of. And this gives you so much more free time. Now, we're influenced a lot when we're talking about fitness stuff uh, from like the fitness industry that is mostly bodybuilders or powerlifters where their sole concern is gaining muscle or their sole concern is squat bench deadlift as, as heavy as they can. Now, as a rugby player, you've got power, you've got speed, you've got uh, anaerobic a little bit, but mainly aerobic conditioning. You've also got uh, your power conditioning, your, your, your high-end strength, your alactic how hard you can work within five to 10 seconds. You've also got an absolute ton of different skills that you've got to work on. You've got so much on your plate that you've got to manage, right? In addition to gaining hypertrophy, gaining strength um, and doing all of those things that like, I understand why these, these bodybuilders, these people where that's their only concern, train six times a week is to get that extra 10%. But if you're going to get 90% of the work from a fraction of the time, why would you not do that? And then therefore, rather than, you know, double the amount of work for an extra 10% of gains, just give yourself that much more time to work on all these other areas and know that, you know, yes, maybe you, you've, you know, over this period of these next six to 12 weeks, you've left not even 10%, I'd say it's even less, but 10% of gains on the table for, for, for that six to 12 weeks well, where are you going to go after that in the six to 12 weeks? You're going to stop lifting? No, you're going to keep going. And therefore, it's just a matter of time until you do get as strong as possible, as strong as you could possibly be. Realistically, especially as far as what's going to contribute to how well you play rugby or how you know well you look as far as building a decent amount of muscle goes. There's no need to rush this process and there's no real need to do more than two weight sessions a week. I think I'll leave it there. We are just shy of 45 minutes. Thank you to everyone that's joined us on the live. Shout out to Mario for asking that question on the live. Shout out to everyone that's asked a question. If you have a question that you want to be answered, just pop it in the comments below. Even if it's a re-upload on the YouTube channel, let me know what question I can answer you, uh, of yours. Let me know how I can help you with our videos on the Rugby Muscle YouTube channel. If you're listening on the podcast, once again, you've made it all the way here, and I I have already asked for a five-star review, but let's, let's do it again. Hit subscribe if you haven't already, but on, on Spotify, give us a five-star review. If you're listening on Apple Podcast, give us a five-star review, and also type up a few words. That makes a huge difference, and it takes, what, 20 seconds to do? Um, we've had quite a few people start to do that again this year, so I'm appreciative of that, but... We've got to keep spreading this word so that Rubby Muscle can grow. We can produce quality, not just content, but programming. We can help you as best we can. We can keep growing. And um, if you've enjoyed any of the content that we've done, that's that's your easiest way of paying me back and saying thank you. And it and it really does, you know, put some put some good vibes out there into the ether. So thank you guys so much for joining. Um, do all that good stuff. If you have any questions, let me know, and I'll see you in the next one.